Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're moving along here, early stages of the Rational Boomer podcast, and uh, we're picking up some steam. We're getting more and more listeners, and I'm happy to see that. Uh, I want to thank all the folks that have subscribed, those that listen religiously. I appreciate that immensely. Those of you who listen and haven't subscribed yet, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Kind of. Anyway, (laughs) the important thing is if you subscribe... And uh, if you review it, like on Apple Podcast or wherever else, it's advantageous to the podcast. It helps to perpetuate the podcast. It's not about my personal ego or anything like that. It's about building the podcast. Now, there's a lot of people who start podcasts who think, I'm going to hop on there and I'm going to get 9 million people right away. And I'm going to go head to head with Joe Rogan or Mark Marin or somebody like that. But that's not the way it goes. Starting a podcast is like starting any kind of business. You got to build it up. You got to take the time. You got to put in the work. The shows you do in the early stages have to be as good or better than what you do in the later stages. And that's all I'm trying to do. I have no goal in mind of how many people I want to listen to this. Essentially, what I want to do is to be able to do what I did in my life on the radio except do it on my terms, have nobody telling me what to do, and having enough people listening so that it warrants sitting here at the mic. I got to validate this shit to my wife. You understand that, don't you? I got to let her know that there's a reason why I'm doing that. I'm finally getting to that point with TikTok because she says, why would you do that? That's just a waste of time. I say, yeah, but I got 72,000 people listening, following me. So it's justifiable. Now I've got to do it with a podcast. And you know what? I'm not too anxious about it. I'm just going to continue doing what I do because I love doing this. And it really affords me something that TikTok doesn't. Now, having been in radio as long as I have, to be able to put a message down to one minute, I'm accustomed to that. That's not that hard. But it really limits what you can say or how you can can uh, emphasize what you're trying to say very limiting. It's a good way to get information out, but when it comes to getting the full story, this is a much better vehicle. And so it's a natural transition from TikTok to podcasting. Because like, for for example, yesterday I was talking about this, uh, this situation with Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance. Now he has convened a grand jury to look into the Trump Organization. Now, all of us have heard what a grand jury does, kind of, but I don't know if everybody really understands what's th- what this is about. 
And it's a pretty serious step. Now, somebody like Cyrus Vance convenes a grand jury after he feels pretty confident that he has the evidence necessary to press charges against somebody or something, meaning a company. So before he walks in the door, he knows in his head that he's got some solid material. He should be able to charge these people, but he has to go through the process with the grand jury. That's just how the system works. And the grand jury is an interesting thing because it's not like a regular trial. It's really more advantageous to the prosecution because this is an opportunity for them to bring in witnesses, subpoena witnesses, subpoena documents, and be able to put them in front of the grand jury. Now, the grand jury is just a bunch of people like us, too, like on a regular jury, but this is a different situation. Now, the interesting thing is people will be subpoenaed to come in. It could be Michael Cohen. It could be anybody. It could be Donald Trump. And they are compelled to do it under penalty of law. Now, there's no shirking the law if you don't, if you don't respond properly to a subpoena. So everybody needs to come in. And, and here's the interesting thing. When they come in, they don't come in with a lawyer. You come in, you sit down, you get questioned, and you better be telling the truth for two reasons. First of all, if they find out that you're not telling the truth, that in itself is a crime, and there's a big penalty for perjury. But you really need to be honest, because what they're doing is bringing in you, and then they're bringing in people around you, and then they're comparing the stories. If someone's telling a lie it's going to be very clear what that lie is about and who, in fact, is lying. So you're in some deep shit. This is the stage that people don't want to be in because they don't hold as much power as a defendant in these situations. This is about the prosecution, and they're setting up the case, and they're trying to show the grand jury that they have very good reason for pressing charges or putting out indictments Uh, to whoever, whoever that might be. So it's a very scary situation for defendants and even witnesses, for that matter, because there's no half-stepping on this situation. They have to come in, they have to answer the questions, they have to answer honestly, and if they don't, that's a big problem, and you're going to be charged with perjury. Now, there's a lot of things about this particular grand jury case that you have to understand. First of all, the way they've set this up, this grand jury is set to go six months. Now, that doesn't mean it has to go six months, but that's the outside parameter for this grand jury um, situation. The, The longest it can go is six months, but, you know, all of us have been waiting forever, so that's too long in our minds. But it could go much quicker than that. But they want to have enough room, depending on what happens in this process. Now, they've set it up for three days a week. Now, if you didn't know anything about grand juries, like I didn't know anything about grand juries, you'd think, okay, well, what the hell? But think about it. You've got to take citizens out of their life and out of their work 
for three days a week for up to six months. That's some pretty heavy-duty stuff. So normally what a grand jury would do is be one day a week for three months or something like that. And if it's really complicated and there might be some unusual circumstances to it, they might make it two days a week. But to make it three days a week is really interesting. It suggests that it might be a very complex case. And it probably is a complex case and probably involves multiple potential charges. It could be Donald Trump. It could be his kids. It could be uh, Weisselman. It could be other people in the, uh, in the company. It could be that they're going to charge the company itself. And believe it or not, they c- can do that. They can charge the Trump organization with something. Generally, there's a human attached to it, but it's not absolutely necessary. I'd like to understand how that works, but I don't. I don't, and I don't really think that's the goal here. I mean, people will say, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that Donald Trump's going to get charged. Well, technically that's true, but let's look at the facts here. Cyrus Vance of the Manhattan District specifically went after and got eight years of Donald Trump's taxes. So he's got eight years of taxes. He's gone through all of them. It's hard to think that Donald Trump's not a focus in this particular grand jury situation. Then you couple in the fact that he's brought in Michael Cohen, who was Donald Trump's personal attorney, who was involved in most of the things that Donald Trump did. They brought him in 10 times to be interviewed. Now, that's kind of unprecedented. Now, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it's unusual, at least, to interview somebody this many times. How much information can he provide? Well, apparently, he could provide a lot of information, enough for 10 interviews. So when you look at all his taxes, his personal attorney being brought in, up to now, now God knows what's going to happen from here on out over the next three to six months, because there'll be other people brought in. There's obviously a lot of information and a lot of focus on Donald Trump. Now, what Donald Trump is going to do is what he always does. He's going to blame everybody else. Oh, we did that with taxes. I got accountants that did that. That's their fault. We did something with the business. That's Weisselman's fault. That's his job. I'm just the guy who sits on the crown and says what he says. But if you listen to Michael Cohen, he tells us that Donald Trump is involved in every situation. He's very hands-on. What you have to understand about Donald Trump's Trump organization, it's not like this huge conglomerate that 97 people run different things. It's more like a mom-and-pop's shop where Donald Trump has his hands on everything. And that'll become apparent when they finally start looking at this stuff. Well, they've, you know, the fact of the matter is most people think they've already looked at all the stuff. They've got enough in mind where they can charge him. Now they have to go through the process. They have to corroborate all the information to make sure it's a slam dunk. Now, I get a lot of people who will say to me, oh, it's taking too long. They'll never get him. He always slips out. Well, this is a much different situation than whatever we've seen before. Now, when he was just a private citizen and allegedly had all kinds of money, he had his fingers and his money going all kinds of places. And he was able to avoid a lot of things 
because he was kind of under the radar, and uh, certainly as far as politically, but but he was just this goofy guy on TV, and he could spread around enough money to stay out of trouble. But then he became president, and I've said this before many times. I've said, when this is all shaken out, Donald Trump will regret the day that he ran for president, because all of a sudden, now you're in the public. Everything you do, everything you did, everything you're going to do is under scrutiny because you were the president of the United States. Now, all those things you did prior to being president of the United States is going to be under scrutiny. Stuff that had really gone by the wayside and nobody cared about, but now they do. Then there's all the things that he did while he was president. Now, that's definitely under scrutiny. So Donald Trump went living the high life, doing whatever he wanted, doing, cheating, stealing, whatever. And people just kind of left him alone, kind of like, you know, a mob boss. People say, well, they would have caught him a long time ago. Well, think of mob bosses. How long do they get to go before they get caught? John Gotti didn't get caught until he started to be really high profile. Get that? And he became a prize to get. So they went after him. Donald Trump is a prize to get. But you have to understand something. The idea of indicting a former president is unprecedented. These are grounds that we've never walked on before. And that's scary in some respect. A lot of people will say, hands off, you can't put a former president in jail. You can't indict him. And that might be the common attitude about this stuff, but... At the same time, you're dealing with attorneys. Now, attorneys are very ego-driven. They want to be the guy on the top of the heap. They want the extraordinary convictions. And to be perfectly honest with you, if they indict Donald Trump, that will be historic. Because, as I said, no other president has been indicted before. And to convict a president, that's unthinkable. But it's not impossible. If it's true that nobody is above the law, that should include the president. But once he is no longer president, as Robert Mueller said, he's perfectly culpable. He's perfectly in a position to be indicted, charged, and convicted. It's right there. Nobody's above the law. Donald Trump is no longer president. So now he's in a position that he can be indicted. And he probably will be indicted. It wouldn't have gotten this far, this fast, and a grand jury brought together if there wasn't something serious enough to indict Donald Trump. Maybe one thing, maybe 20 things. Who knows? Now, they're also going to go after uh, this uh, Weisselberg clown, too. Now, the thing with Weisselberg, he's been the CFO for the Trump Organization since the 70s, since Trump's dad was running the place. And this man touches everything that is money in the Trump Organization. So if Trump is doing something shady with his taxes and his insurance or whatever, he will have had to touch it. It had to go through him to do it. So he's in a bad situation too. Now, this Weisselberg is more valuable to the Manhattan District Attorney, attorney as a uh, 
witness than he is to charge him. Of course, they'll charge him. They will go after him. But I think the intent to go after him is more so to flip him. Now, he's been very, very loyal to the Trump organization for 40 years. But he's also got his own self-well-being, well-being, self-intentions that he's got to be concerned about. Now, there's him, 73 years old, and I believe two of his sons were also involved in the Trump organization. All of them are at risk of being indicted and ultimately charged and convicted. So Weisselberg's got a lot hanging over his head. As much as there's loyalty to the Trump organization and Donald Trump himself, the man of 73 years old does not want to go into jail. And he certainly does not want to see his kids going to jail. So he's going to have to figure a way that he can stay out of it. And that would require him to no longer be loyal to Donald Trump. Which he should understand already because he knows Donald Trump will not be loyal to him. He's not loyal to anybody. And if he can pass the buck on to onto, uh, Weisselman, he's going to do it. He'll do it in an instant. And hopefully Weisselberg is smart enough to understand that and act before Donald Trump does. That doesn't mean it's going to save Donald Trump if he blames Weisselberg. It won't because then Weisselberg will come back and... Uh, explain how Donald Trump was involved as well. It's going to be a big feast of people in the same group eating each other because they're going to be scared shitless. Now, Donald Trump, a lot of the Trump fans would like to believe he's this powerful and uh, heroic and courageous man. He is not. He is weak and he is sorry and he's pitiful And when it comes down to it, you will see him weeping like a child, curled up in a corner, uh, not knowing what to do. I know this because I know people like Donald Trump, narcissists, sociopaths, pathological liars. All they care about is themselves. So if they mean to throw Weisselberg or Don Jr. or Ivanka under the the bus, they're going to do it in an instant. It sounds appalling. But think of all the things that Donald Trump has done. What isn't appalling? This wouldn't be surprising. And hopefully their kids and Weisselberg understand that before they get dumped on. The key here is to dump on him. Put the blame where it belongs before he tries to pawn it off on you. The thing is, even if he does pawn it off on these people, that doesn't take him off the hook. He's the head of the organization. They can prove that he's got his hands in everything. So instead of, of, of one group of people going down, they'll all go down. And that's probably the best way for this to happen. Now, you're probably wondering, what do they have on Donald Trump? I mean, what are they going to try to convict him of? And it's been talked about, but I want to explain it a little bit and how it works um, of what I know. Now, there may be other things I don't know. They've talked about money laundering and all that stuff, and I don't know the specifics of that. But there's a few things that they're looking at that I do understand, and I want to convey them to you so you get a better sense of the kinds of things they're looking at at Donald Trump when they're considering the fact or the opportunity to indict him. They're looking at bank fraud. They're looking at tax fraud. 
and they're looking at uh, insurance fraud. So what they will do, what Donald Trump will do, and this is a common thing he's done for decades. He's always skirted the edges of legality. Uh, Many times he's gotten cocky enough to go beyond that uh, edge of legality. But when he's insuring his companies, he likes to boost up the value of his property. He somehow tries to make it more valuable so that when it's insured and something happens, he gets more money than he deserves to come back. That's fraud. Now, when he, and, and, and let me just say this too, he does that as well with banks. Say he's trying to finance a bank and he's got a building worth a million dollars. Well, Donald Trump will try to make him believe that it's worth $2 million so he can get more money in the financing. That's fraud. But now when the taxes come due in all these wonderful places, he'll now go to the IRS and say, look, these things aren't worth shit. They aren't worth the, the, the paper they're written on so that he can pay less taxes. So that's tax fraud. And these are pretty clear and evident things. Now, Donald Trump will try to say, oh, that's Weisselman. But this is Donald Trump's practice over the decades. And we know that his hands are on everything. So this has got to be Donald Trump. This is all Donald Trump. And they're going to try to pin that on them. Now, there's a bunch of other things, I'm sure. Like I said, maybe money laundering, which I don't know exactly the facts about this. But what I do know is that there were a lot of investors in his properties, people buying condominiums, people buying buildings, people building buildings and putting Trump's name on it. And uh, it was Russian money. Yeah, there's no collusion. There's no. Well, Donald Trump took a lot of money from the Russians in order to bring in to the uh, to America to buy his properties. And oftentimes what would happen is they would buy them for more than what their value was. So for all intents and purposes, the Russians are pouring money into this country through Donald Trump, and that would be money laundering. Again, I don't know the specifics of it or how it breaks down or where the, uh, the legal aspects of it are, but that's one way they will look at in money laundering. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a lot of things hanging over Donald Trump's head. People will say, oh, he'll get through it. He's never been looked at this closely. He's never been this high profile. He's never been in a situation where they convened a grand jury. So it's a much different situation. You can't take what you saw prior to being president or when he was protected while being president. This is different. It's much more intense. And Donald Trump knows this. He knows this. And I'm sure he's running through a lot of adult diapers right now. Because when you take somebody who is a narcissist and a sociopath, they don't care about anybody but themselves, and they start getting pushed in a corner to the point where they can't move. This is where they freak out. 
So this is why I'm always suggesting that I'm expecting Donald Trump to do something crazy. I don't know what that would be. I'm not talking about suicide. Somebody like him would never commit suicide because they think they're the most important one. They wouldn't do that. But make some crazy claims. Take some crazy actions because they're just at a loss. And there's nothing they can do. I talked about a situation I had with a similar guy who was my brother-in-law during Christmas. We got in an argument. Well, he got in an argument, and I just kind of stood there and listened and smirked, and he uh, made these claims that I said certain things, and I agreed with him. I did say them, but I wouldn't yell with him. So now this guy wasn't getting the reaction he wanted, so now he was getting worse. And when they become cornered or neutralized like I did with this guy or like Donald Trump will be with all these charges against him, they start reacting stupid. And if you remember when I told you this, my brother-in-law was so upset and I wouldn't engage him in the yelling part of it because I knew that's what he wanted. Then he got crazy. He got crazy and he grabbed some gifts that we had dropped off. And then he... uh, (laughs) He threw them at me and then threw them out the door because he was trying to get me to break and engage on his level. And I still didn't. And that's what's happening with Donald Trump. A little different. And I saw this with my father, too. I've told you this before. My father was a narcissistic, pathological liar, sociopath. He was a pretty wealthy guy, too. Not to the extent of what Donald Trump claims, but for the area, for my neighborhood, for... The part of town, he had more money than most people. And he was like Donald Trump, except he was more articulate and he was smarter. So in that way, he was a little more dangerous. He was always very threatening and very, not physical with the, the kids as much, but he was emotionally abusive. He would call you names, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're worthless, you're a piece of shit, you're an animal. Things you would never say to a child, but that's what he did. So as time went by, I got bigger, and I got more annoyed about being treated like that. And uh, things started crashing in around him. His success was starting to wane because technology was changing his business. He was getting lazy. He was drinking too much. He was partying too much. He had too many other things going on. So his power financially was dwindling, and his size was staying the same while mine was getting bigger. And I was getting smarter and more articulate. So at one point when he started something with me, it was something really stupid. I backed him up in a corner and uh, explained to him, look, you're not in power anymore. You don't have as much money as you used to. You can't beat the shit out of me, so you can't intimidate me. So you're fucking done. And I pushed him in the corner. Now, it didn't resort to any fisticuffs. But he was in a position he couldn't do anything. He could not do anything. And he started freaking out, saying things that were just crazy, doing things that were crazy. Let me explain to you how dumb this man was when he got desperate. And I'm making this a parallel with what you can expect out of Donald Trump. This man was always cheating on my mom, always abusive to her and abusive to me and my my siblings. And when he got quartered and the veil was pulled down and he was exposed for who he was, 
Then he freaked out. He did some crazy shit. One of the things he did with his girlfriend, (laughs) he decided he was going to buy some homes. He bought some in Florida. He bought some in a resort area, Wisconsin. He bought some in Arizona. He bought like five properties. But this man is going to be smart. To keep it from my mom and us, he put it in the name of his girlfriend. Not his, his girlfriend. Because when the shit fell and the divorce came, then uh, he could hide it from us. It's brilliant. But what he didn't figure out was that he had now become an alcoholic. His girlfriend was an alcoholic. And when you have two alcoholics engaging with one another, sometimes it can get ugly. I mean, my dad was a dick in the first place. He wasn't a good human being, and I'm guessing his girlfriend wasn't either. So these fights would get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where they are going to break up, literally break up and be done. So my father says to his girlfriend that he's now breaking up with, well, we're going to end this thing, but we'll have to split these properties and do this and do this. You know what the woman said? She said, what properties? He goes, our property's all over the place. She goes, I don't know what you're talking about because they're all my properties. They're all under my name, so you can go fuck yourself. That's that's what you can do. (laughs) So now he's incredulous. He's upset, and he just bolts. Now he's mad. Now he's doing crazy stuff. Later on, he comes back and puts sugar... (laughs) This is a 50-year-old man put sugar in her gas tank, ruins her car. But what he forgot to realize was that her brother was a county sheriff. So they went after him. Now, here's this guy that had all kinds of money, all kinds of prestige, a nice house, a great job. Now the law is looking for him. The law is looking for him because he damaged this woman's car. He's got a warrant out for his arrest. Well, they finally catch up to him. To put him in jail. And uh, my brother calls me. My father would know never to call me. But my brother calls me and says, Dad called me. He wants me to give him bail to get out of jail. What do you think we should do? I said, absolutely not. Do not give him any money. And, uh, and he said, well, all he needs is $5,000. I said, what's the bond for? I mean, what's the total bail? You said $50,000. So do not give him $5,000. I know you got it, but don't give it to him. He says, well, why not? He's our father. Jesus Christ, we should do that. I said, look, as soon as he gets out of jail, he's going to bolt. He's not going to go back to court. Not only do you lose that $5,000, now you are on the hook for the rest of the $45,000. Do not fucking do that. I'm telling you, don't. So my brother wasn't as happy with my father either. And he decided not to. And, of course, my father was upset and incredulous that we wouldn't help him out. But we knew he's a sociopath. He's pathologically lying. He's a, he's a narcissist. And I know he's not going to care about my brother or anybody who posts bail for him. He's going to bolt, and then somebody else is once again going to be on the hook. Well, my brother didn't give it to him. He wasn't even going to call me because he knew better. But somehow he got some dumbass lawyer to post the bond. And you know what he did? He fucking bolted. 
He took off, and now they were chasing him. Finally, they caught him. But he did exactly what I expected him to do because I know who he is. And uh, at this point, I haven't seen him in 10 to 15 years. He's probably living on Social Security. He once, you know, with the money he had, he could have lived the rest of his life very comfortably. He had more money than I got now, and he could have been fine. My mom could have been fine. But he chose different roads, roads that he felt like were serving him because that's all that mattered. And now he's living someplace, not in the best of health, living like a Spartan on Social Security and struggling. And I haven't talked to him. People say, we can't be angry for, at him forever. I said, I'm not angry with him. He's just inconsequential now. I'm 61 years old. I don't need a daddy. I am a dad. I'm a grandfather. I'm focusing on that now. I'm not going to waste my time being angry with him because it's of no consequence. He's of no consequence. Now, I tell you that story to let you understand why I understand what's going to happen with Donald Trump. Because they are pretty much the same person. There are differences, of course. Donald Trump claims to be more wealthy and certainly more famous, but he's dumber than my dad. He is now approaching that time that my father approached when businesses are falling apart. He's starting to get cornered. He can't bullshit his way out anymore, and things are going to get ugly. And if it means taking down his kids, his wife, his company, his uh, employees, his friends— It doesn't matter because all he is concerned about is saving his ass. And I can tell you from experience that it's not going to work. He is going to end up broke and desperate. That's why when people say to me, oh, I hope he goes to jail. I don't care if he goes to jail. He doesn't need to go to jail. The moment he has no money, no standing, and he's desperate is enough punishment for me in Donald Trump. Because that will break him. That will destroy him. And he'll have to walk around in that shame for the rest of his life. Now, people will say, he doesn't have any shame. Because he doesn't show it. He's always got this image he's putting out there. He's tough. He's smart. He's confident. You have to understand, when you're talking to somebody like that, or my father... It's not about that stuff at all. It's about total insecurity. It's about no confidence in these people. That's why they put on this show. It may look like to you that they're confident and strong, but don't believe that. The whole reason they do that is because they lack confidence. They're totally insecure, and they're scared little children. That's what they are. And when all of that is taken away, that's all that will be left. They're scared children. So I kind of digress here about this whole situation. But you have to understand the mentality of the people that are involved in this situation because you can't get a real sense of what's going to happen until you know that. Now, Cyrus Vance is a lawyer. He's probably a huge egotist. This is an historic situation. This has never been done before. This may be one of the bigger court cases in the history of this country. Now, Cyrus Vance is planning to retire in December. Do you think he's afraid of what might come down on him by doing this uh, grand jury and ultimately a trial? No, he doesn't give a shit. By December, he'll be done and gone and on a beach someplace. He doesn't care. 
But what he does care about is going out with a bang, going out with a big bang, and maybe having an historic trial under his belt just before he leaves, to do something unprecedented. This will be the way that people will remember him. And like most lawyers with uh, big egos, he loves that. He loves that. He relishes that. That's why they're doing three days on the grand jury as opposed to one. They want to speed this up. They want to get it going, get it done by the time Cyrus Vance is gone. Think about it. It's June, six months from now, July, August, September, October, November, December. Six six months from now is the longest point where this grand jury will come to an end, probably before. But that's also the same month that uh, Cyrus Vance is going to retire. You don't think they're planning all this stuff? You don't think he wants to go out with a bang and be some kind of hero by the time he leaves that will last for generations in his family? Come on. If you ever knew a lawyer, and I've known my share, trusted none of them. Now, let me just say, for those of you that are lawyers that are listening to the podcast, I don't have any malice toward lawyers. I only know the lawyers I've dealt with. I'm certain there are good lawyers. Unfortunately, the lawyers I've dealt with in my past have not been so great. They were there to help me, but mainly they helped themselves. And if they could help me in the process, cool, but if they didn't, nah, that's cool too. That's my experience with lawyers. Cyrus Vance is going to want to get justice. I don't doubt that. But he's also going to want to set himself up as a hero by the end of this thing. Because as soon as he retires, you know what he's going to do? He's going to write a book, go on a TV show, do whatever. He's going to spend his life doing what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, and he's going to be a hero on top of it. He's going to be famous. And if you don't think that's in his head, you're crazy. Now, something else that uh, you may not be thinking about is that you remember that Letitia James the Attorney General of uh, New York, is also looking at criminal charges now. They went from civil to criminal. And they said they would be working in conjunction with the Manhattan District. Now, that doesn't mean that Letitia James and the state of New York is in on this deal with this grand jury. They're just sharing evidence and witnesses and those sorts of things. Letitia James is also working on some other crimes and possible possible indictments. So while this is going on with with Cyrus Vance and Donald Trump, Letitia James is on Donald Trump's ass too. And while that's going on, you've got the criminal charges in Georgia. That attorney general is all over that shit and wants to go after Donald Trump. Then you've got a myriad of civil civil lawsuits working. You got rape lawsuits. You've got lawsuits in D.C. about the insurrection. You've got lawsuits all over the country against Donald Trump. So you see what I'm getting at. The Cyrus Vance situation is ominous. That in itself could take Donald Trump down and probably will. But over and above that, you've got this overkill. You've got Letitia James with the New York uh, Attorney General's 
office, and she's going after him. And she's a tough lady. She's going to go after his ass hard while Cyrus Vance is beating Donald Trump's ass. And then you got the AG in uh, Georgia, who's just as tough as Letitia James, going after Donald Trump. And you've got all these civil things going on. Donald Trump is slowly but surely being cornered, and he's going to be at a point where he can do absolutely nothing. He cannot afford to defend himself in each of these lawsuits. He's trying to get them um, tossed away or tossed aside, but he's not having much luck with that. So this is where Donald Trump gets cornered, and he gets to a point that he won't be able to do anything. And it will drive him crazy because in his head he thinks he's a superman. But now Superman can't do anything because they got him surrounded. This is going to drive Donald Trump crazy. You think he doesn't feel shame? Yeah, he feels shame. He's felt shame and uh, not been confident his whole life. He's just tried to mask it with all the all the um, bullshit that he's strewn for f- 70 years. So he's going to get cornered. And what's he going to do? Well, he could do some jail time. That's possible. Or he could just be ruined. That's possible. But what you can expect him to do is exactly what my father did and everybody like him does. They run. They run like little girls away from a schoolyard. They don't know what to do. They can't handle the shame. So they run away and they hide. And that's what Donald Trump will do. Now, he's not a very healthy guy, so God knows how long he's going to live. But Ultimately, when it's all said and done, Donald Trump will dis- disappear from the face of the earth and hide in his shame, and you won't hear from him again. What you will hear from is all the people writing books between now and up until the time Donald Trump dies. There'll be tons of books. There'll be tons of TV shows. He will, they will never let up on him because it's such a huge story. It's unprecedented in this country. This guy is going to get pounded, and I know you want it to happen tomorrow, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. Because it's so important, because it's unprecedented, everybody's going to take it step by step and be perfectly careful so they don't do something wrong. This is their chance to be a hero. This is their chance to change history, and they're not going to screw it up by rushing through this process. I know you're anxious. I'm anxious for him to go to jail or whatever happens to him. But we've got to be able to just lay back, watch the process, be patient, and trust in justice for once. He's never had to address justice, but now he does. It's a much different situation than he's ever been in, and he's going to get it this time. I'm convinced of that. There's no way out for Donald Trump. Even if nothing happened to him, his businesses are going to shit. He's going to break himself on his own accord. So... Just relax. Watch it play out. Watch Cyrus Vance in the Manhattan District. Don't forget about Letitia James in the New York AG office. Don't forget about Georgia because they're pissed off too. These are bad times for Donald Trump. He will never see another happy day. He will never make a lot of money again. And he will never have good standing in this country again. In spite of all the Trumplicans in the base, they're too small. There's 25, 30% of this country. They cannot support Donald Trump for anything because there's just not enough of them. 
And when those people start going by the wayside in the insurrection cases and such, it's over. It may take some time, but trust me, it's over. So anyway, we're talking about the grand jury and Donald Trump's future. I'm a bit windy because I'm an old guy, so I'm going to wrap it up here. I want to thank you for listening. And again, I want you to subscribe if you feel so feel so compelled. I want you to review it so we can help build this podcast into something bigger where we can actually have some impact on the media or impact on society. Don't think we can't do it because we can. Trust me. There's enough of this. I'm convinced of it. I went on to TikTok, old guy talking about politics, and 72,000 people have followed me. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that could happen, but it did. And with that, I want to transfer it to the podcast so that now we can have a voice, those of us that are rational boomers, have a voice in the media, in this country, because We have a lot of knowledge, we have a lot of money, and we have a lot of power in our votes. We should have a voice, and this could be a start of getting that voice. So you have a great week. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.